I want to start today, um, I think this is week number three or four on the pattern of prayer. Everybody say the pattern of prayer. Yesterday, my son, just like many of you, uh, is always wanting to play on my iPad. Now, I still don't know if it's right or wrong, to be honest with you. As a parent, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, the iPad thing, because it really comes in handy when you need it. Can I get a witness in the room? But they are almost demonic once they get it, and then they won't get off of it. And then you try to take it, and they're like, eyes turn into cat eyes, and fangs come out, and you're like, who are you, you know? But these, these uh, yesterday, my son came to me. He said, Dad, I, wanna, I want the iPad. I was like, no, son, no, not right now, maybe later. Okay. But, Dad, I really want the iPad. I really want it. Like, Dad, you never loved me, or whatever he said. I don't know. And I, I got so frustrated. I'm not advising you do this, but I told him, I said, son, why don't you go upstairs to your room, talk to God, and see what he says. Promise. He goes up in his room, and I hear him. I hear him say, God, daddy won't give me the iPad. Will you give me the iPad? And I promise on this Bible, my son came out, and he goes, daddy. I was like, what? He goes, God said Yes. I was like, shucks. <laughs> Me and God are not on the same page. But my son understands things happen when we pray. And if you ever need anybody to pray, call our intercessor Judah Paul in. He'll pray for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. When we're having a good day, we pray. When we're having a bad day, we pray. When we have a job, we pray. When we don't have a job, we pray. When the kids are healthy, we pray. When the kids are sick, we pray. When business is going well, we pray. When the business is struggling, we pray. Paul is letting us know in the book of Thessalonians that we are to never stop praying. And while sometimes prayer is the only thing we can do, it is always the best thing we can do. I'm reminded today of a story a, a pastor sent me this week of the great preacher D.L. Moody who carried a list of 100 non-Christians that he prayed for every single day. And over the years, whenever one of them would give their life to Christ, he would cross off one of the names one by one. By the time of his death, no fewer than 96 of those 100 people had become followers of Jesus. And what's an amazing testimony to the power of prayer, that at his funeral, the remaining four gave their life to Jesus. Can I tell you today, never stop praying. You don't know what God can do when we persevere 
You may feel like you've said the same prayer request over and over, but can I tell you, I'm sure D.L. Moody felt the same way. Can I encourage you, when he died, he only thought he saw 96, but the prayers went beyond him. Come on, somebody. And I've come to tell you today, never stop praying. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, a verse that we've gone through this series, it says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, I want to encourage you, the word disciplined means that it is something we do, even if we don't want to always do it. And the more we do it, the more rewarding it becomes and the easier it is the more consistency we have with prayer. So some people feel guilty because they don't always want to pray, okay? I think everybody can relate to that, but I wanna encourage you, like I said last week, you don't always wanna go to the gym either. You don't always wanna eat well either. It is a discipline that we must have to be a person of prayer. So people have asked, how do I become a disciplined person of prayer, and throughout this series, I'm gonna repeat this again to help you get it in your system. Number one, plan a time to pray. Plan a time, morning, evening, afternoons, whatever it is, plan the time to pray. Number two, plan a place to pray. Maybe it's in your truck, maybe it's in a spare bedroom, maybe it's in a break room, maybe it's in the woods, you find the place that you can get alone in your heart with God. Number three, plan a pattern to pray. Now, I go into much more detail in the weeks past, so if you have not been able to listen, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to this series. But when we talk about a pattern, which is what the series is called, a pattern of prayer, it is speaking of an outline that we can follow when we pray. Because if you're like me, easily distracted, right? I mean, like seven of you have coughed, and I'm trying to focus right now. Are you hearing me? <laughs> but it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be distracted. So an outline kind of helps us, kind of helps us stay focused. So where do you get the outline? Exodus chapter 25. It's a story in the Old Testament where the children of Israel have left Egypt, and they're on their way to what the Bible calls the promised land. While they're in movement, God speaks to Moses and lets him know that I want a tabernacle so that I could be with my people. And so he gives Moses the specifications to build a tabernacle. Here's the picture. Again, I'm going to blow through these a little fast today so that you can, um, I'm waiting on the picture. Here it comes. Somebody's fired. Here we go. <laughs> Matthew Wilcox is his name, everybody. Just kidding, Matthew. Uh, this is the tabernacle that God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to have a, a almost like portable church. This is gonna be able to move when we go throughout the wilderness. So you see some specifications that God gave to extreme detail that God asked Moses to build the tabernacle. In that tabernacle were seven things that he mentions. As you can see, all seven of them on the screen. There it is, okay, we're doing good. Will Cox is on, he gets another paycheck. Here we go. 
the seven steps. And so the first week we talked about the gate. Everybody say the gate. Now, this is just an outline that we follow when we pray. These are not necessarily absolutes. It's just to help us when we pray. We're no longer under the Old Testament. We are in the New Testament. So this just helps us. And I've encouraged people that if you're about to be in an accident, you don't have a whole lot of time to sit here and go through seven stations of prayer. Just call on the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is a prayer, everybody. So the first thing we do is we come to the gate, which the Bible says in Psalms 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, praise his name. This is where we just start in a spirit of gratitude. God, I thank you for this day. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for the clothes I have, provision, my needs, food in the cabinets, cars in the garage. God, we just thank you. It's just spirit of gratitude. And as you begin to sense your heart warm up, what the next phase in prayer or the next step in the tabernacle is what we covered last week. And again, we went through major details with all of these. So if you didn't hear it, go back, check it out. The next step was the brazen altar, the brazen altar. This was where the sacrifices were made. It was a bloody Place. This is when, when we are in prayer, we are reminding ourselves of the finished work of Jesus. You got to remind yourself when you're praying that you're not coming in your own power. That when you're praying, you're not coming in your own perfection. When you're praying, you're not coming in your own name. That's why when you pray, you say, in Jesus' name. Because you're reminding yourself and reminding God that I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm coming through the way of the blood, and I can't get to you but through the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The next place we go to is the laver, the laver. This is the place where we take some time and reflect and wash ourselves of things that may have gotten out of alignment in our lives. This is where we talked about last week that if we will confess our sins, this is an important part for us in our daily walk with God, to humble ourselves lowly before God in prayer and remind ourselves that we are out of, at times, out of alignment, we need to reposition ourselves, and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we've missed it and where we need to get it right. Romans chapter 12, verse one says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. What does that mean? At the brazen altar, we are thankful for the finished work of Jesus. Justification for biblical terminology. When we come to the labor, we begin to pray for the sanctification. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Ethan? What God has done at the altar when you gave your life to Jesus, he made you a new creature, right? But how many of you know that even though you're saved, you can still struggle? So when you come to the, the labor, you're asking God to work out your salvation. What that means is do on the outside at the labor what you did on the inside at the altar. Begin to make me like you want me 
to be. And so today, we're going to proceed a little further in a few more places. The next place they would go would be the table of shewbread. Some call it the table of showbread or shewbread, however you want to word it. This was a wooden table overlaid with pure gold. It was three feet long, one and a half feet wide, two and a half feet high. It held 12 loaves of bread, which was called the bread of presence, which were considered holy. So in this, we believe the way to look at this is the table of shoe bread represents the word of God and the promises of God. Matthew chapter four, verse four says, but he answered, talking about Jesus, when he was in the wilderness being tempted, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, in essence, was saying that I don't need physical bread to feel full. I live by spiritual bread to be full. Every word, then he says, every word that comes out of the mouth of God is what gives me sustenance. That's what fills my heart. That's what fills my life. So just how every day you gotta eat food, right? Every day. You also, every day, need to eat of spiritual food to give you strength. The scripture says something like this, to give us this day our daily bread. Give me something today, God. Give me a word today as I go throughout my day, that will sustain me, that will feed me, that will give me life. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers that ever lived, he said, keep the word of God, and the word of God will keep you. Let me say that again. Keep the word of God. If you're writing notes, that's a good one. Keep the word of God, and the word of God will keep you. So when we talk about the word of God, now people could be saying, I thought we were talking about prayer. How does this apply? Okay, a couple ways I would encourage you. Sometimes when I'm in this moment of prayer, sometimes I will just take my Bible out. Okay, I just, I'll read it right then. And so I would encourage you, not necessarily you have to, but that could be a place where you just take a moment and you receive the fresh word of God a fresh word in your reading. So let me tell you this, three things to help you with the word of God. Number one, read it. <laughs> Are you blown away? Is that deep? Read it. Now, some people uh, read on the Bible app. I'm being very simple today. I feel like you're like, are you gonna preach in a second? Yeah, I'll, I'll scream or something, just wait. <laughs> but you need to read it Maybe you need to use the Bible app. There are different translations in the Bible app that we can use that we can better understand. For me, I'll read through the Bible app. I got, I'm going through a Bible reading plan this year. I use different translations. If you're like me, I like to write in my Bible. I know not everybody's like that, but I like to circle. I like to highlight. I like to use different colors because this is bread to me. I'm not... Some people could say, you shouldn't do that, and I get it if that's what people want to do. My thing is, this is what's keeping me alive. This is what's getting me through the day. 
Some of us write our names on our tools, and that's a hammer you're gonna lose. <laughs> Some of us, you know, we customize all kinds of stuff, but let me just customize this to when I read that, I remember that God spoke to me that day, and he spoke to me this day, and he gave me a word that day, because I need the bread of life. A word, a word. I need to read it. Number two, I need to think it. I need to think about this. Scripture talks about meditating on it. It's chewing on it. It's going over it in our heads. And it gets in our head. Watch this. Whatever's in your head gets in your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's not just enough to read it. We got to think it. And number three, I believe this is huge. We have to say it. You have to say it. You have to get that word in you so that when you are in prayer, um, this is my experience, when I'm in prayer, I will speak the word often, declare scriptures often, because whatever I can memorize, I can utilize. If I get it in my system, I may not get it perfect, but I want to take a moment, and there may be times in prayer, we're talking about prayer, that when we're reading or when we're praying, that we could even take a moment and you can just pray a scripture that you've studied that day. There is therefore now, here's one I use often, there's therefore now no condemnation. You could take a moment and just pray, pray through Romans chapter eight, verse one. You could just take a moment. What can separate us from the love of God? All things work together for the good. You could just take a moment and say, God, I'm thankful that you are making things work for the good me. That, that's, that's what you can do. The Bible teaches that, that his word does not return void. In fact, I'll say this. I heard this week that there are 7,000 different promises in the word of God. So in prayer, you have 7,000 promises that you can pray when you're in prayer. And you could just grab hold of that and say, God, your word says, and just pray the promises of God in your life. Now, when you read it, the scripture says in Exodus chapter 25, verse 30, that you are to set the bread of presence every single Sabbath. Hear this. The bread was to be taken out and replaced every seven days. On the Sabbath day, there's supposed to be fresh bread. Can I just tell you today, that's why you need church. Hear me today. When you come to church, you may think it's just going through the motions. You may be thinking it's not important. You may just be coming because your wife asked you to come or your mom asked you to come. Can I tell you, you're getting fresh bread today. That when you come into the house of God and you're in worship and you're with other believers and someone stands up and declares the truth of God's word, it's like fresh manna coming into your life, fresh manna to help you through your week, something fresh coming into your heart. Am I talking to anybody? So the scripture was clear that it's gotta be fresh. It can't be, it can't be old stuff. This week, let me tell you something. This week, I made, for the first time, a brisket. To God be the glory. Now listen, I'm new to Mississippi, and when I got here, the big thing is the barbecue and the, all that stuff. And I'm like, well, this is my day. I'm ready, Lord. 
use these hands. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. So I got me a smoker. And some of these guys at the church have been helping me. And I, I've done ribs, and I could, oh, I can make some bad ribs. I want to stay humble. I didn't, I didn't go to the labor this morning. I'm just telling you, <laughs> the bad, bad ribs. And smoked chicken, my God, see, she knows. <laughs> smoked chicken, yeah. Smoked corn, you know what I'm talking about? And then you get some butter and some cilantro and some barbecue rub, and you pour it on that corn, and you just feel the glory. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. But I wanted to try a brisket. Now, how many of you have ever smoked a brisket? Anybody smoked a brisket? Okay. Some of you are like, smoked a what? Maybe I did. No, I'm talking about meat. <laughs> talking about meat right now. Lanita raised her hand. No, Lanita, put your hand down. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So, I tried to smoke this brisket. And they tell you you gotta trim it right? And then you got to put a binder on it, and then you got to put a seasoning on it. Then you got to put it in the smoker. I had it in the smoker for 16 hours. Mm. <laughs> had to get it out, wrap it, put it back in, get it to 202 degrees on the button. Pull it out, put it in a cooler for three hours to rest. I haven't worked this hard on a sermon. <laughs> I took that brisket out, and when I cut into that thing, juice began to flow. The power of God began to hit. It was a perfect smoke ring around it. It cut, it was, I can't even describe to you how good it was. And as much as it cost, I was going to convince myself it was good either way. <laughs> What's funny is, the other day, uh, it would have been yesterday or Friday, I wanted to eat it again. So I go in the fridge, I heat it up, and I took a bite, and it was good. But it reheated anything, just ain't as good as when it was fresh. Here's where many of us are living our spiritual life. You're reheating word that you heard in Sunday school and you've gotten stale. You're reheating experiences with God you had 20 years ago and when you have stale bread, you have stale faith. When you got stale faith, you'll have stale praise. And when you have stale praise, you'll have stale worship. You'll have stale prayer life. You're gonna have a stale marriage. But maybe, just maybe, God is trying to remind somebody through the tabernacle prayer that you need to get fresh bread in your system. Stop living on reheated moments from the 1980s. God is a God of today, and he wants to speak to you now. I get tired of talking to people that always talk about the good old days. Honey, I'm in the good old days right now. I'm in revival right now. God's moving right now. Am I helping anybody today? I'm thankful for where we've been. I'm thankful for what God has done. But God has a new thing going on. And if I keep eating stale bread and keep reheating old revelations and reheating old sermons I heard and reheating, I'm not walking in a fresh faith. 
Am I helping anybody? I need a fresh word every day. When I'm in prayer, oftentimes I'll ask the Father, will you just give me a sentence or a scripture to pop into my head throughout the day to help me? Give me this day, this day, daily bread. I know that means also provision, but you can look at it in the spirit. God, give me something that when I'm facing trouble at work, a word will come to me and it will say something that will get me through. That's why he's given us the sword of the spirit to help us navigate through life. The last place we'll go today is the candlestick, the candlestick. The golden lampstand in the Jewish world is called a menorah. It was made of pure gold, hammered out of one solid piece. Resting on a base, the lampstand had about a total of seven different lamps. The Jewish menorah, as they would call it, symbolized the fire of God's presence. The refining power of his Holy Spirit and the anointing of his people with gifts and abilities. Today, the candlestick reminds us to invite the Holy Spirit into our day-to-day lives. That warmth, that life, that comfort, that illumination that is brought by the candlestick represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Acts chapter two, when you see the Holy Spirit comes down to the church, the birth of the church, The Bible says it was like a fire. The Bible says in Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. And I find it like God, I should say, that in prayer, that he made sure there was fire. He made sure there was flame. He made sure there was heat and light to remind us that God's spirit is alive and working and moving in our lives. And hear me, our role with the Holy Spirit is not a passive one, however, it is an active one, that we need to cooperate with the spirit of God in our lives. The scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit leads us, teaches us, reminds us, convicts us, speaks to us, shows us things to come. I don't know about you, but I want more of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 2.27, or Proverbs chapter, it's on here. Proverbs 20.27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. The Holy Spirit inside of us is working inside, searching and leading and teaching. When I come to this point in prayer, I oftentimes ask the Holy Spirit to do two things. Number one, I pray for the Holy Spirit to work in me. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work in you. Galatians chapter five teaches that there are the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The the gifts of the Spirit, excuse me, the fruits of the Spirit to work in my life. Number two, pray for the Holy Spirit to work through you. 
So every day when I'm in prayer, I ask the Holy Spirit, work in me. Work in me. Show me where I've missed it. Help me with my day-to-day walk. Help me walk in love. Help me walk in peace and patience and kindness. Let me walk the way you want me to walk. And number two, work through me to impact the lives of the people around me. Use me. If you have a word for somebody, you can use me. If you want me to encourage somebody, use me. If you want me to give some money to somebody, use me. If you want me to have a dream and explain and tell them what God has showed me, about, I'll, I'll just use me. Father, if you're using anybody, you can use me. Make myself available, not only to work on the inside, but also to work through me to impact Columbus, Mississippi. Use me. What's interesting about this particular lampstand, the scripture lets us know that Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, I threw this in this morning, so I want, to, I want you to look at it. And thou, God speaking to Moses, thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure oil, olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. God is instructing Moses that if you're going to have this lamp, this Holy Spirit presence, everybody has to prioritize the oil and everybody's gotta bring it in. Hear me, this was a perfect image when I read that of the church. Because a healthy church is not when just the lead pastor worships. A healthy church is not just when the lead pastor prays or when the lead pastor does all the visiting or when the lead pastor does all the networking. Because a lot of times, that's the mentality people have in church. They come and they watch the preacher and the preacher's good, we like the church. But according to the word of God, we're all to bring the oil in. Meaning that the preacher can't be the only one worshiping when worship starts. Because we're all coming together. It ain't just the preacher who gets in the small. We're all in small groups. We're all serving. We're all coming together. And if we're going to make this work in Columbus, Mississippi, we need a spirit of unity and all of us bringing the oil to the house of God. All of us giving, all of us serving, all of us loving. But not only does it take all of us to to bring the oil to prioritize in the tabernacle, the thing he said this lamp was to never go out. The light of the Holy Spirit was to never extinguish. The light of the Holy Spirit was to be prioritized. The oil was supposed to come. The fire is supposed to burn. The warmth was supposed to be present. The illumination was supposed to be obvious. They were to never lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. And hear me today. The same is true for you. It's easy to lose that oil. It's easy to lose the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And let me say this. It's easy to lose the power and the flame of the Holy Spirit in the church. If we're not careful, we can sell people on cool Christianity, cool buildings, cool preachers, cool stuff. 
And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with buildings and screens and nothing wrong with excellence. We use those things for the glory of God. But hear me today. We can never lose sight of keeping the main thing the main thing. The church needs that warmth of the Holy Spirit. I've been in services before and watched hardened men come in and tears flow down their cheek. What's going on? It's almost like the candlestick came into the room. Brought some heat to that section. Warmed the heart of a, of a 17-year-old. Just when that Holy Spirit begins to move in the church, I've preached without the Holy Spirit, and I've preached with the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit, it's a whole lot better. I've been to church without the oil, and I've been to church with the oil, and church with the oil is a whole lot better. I'm not saying that it's a size thing, but hear me today. We can never let our church become so significant in size that we're willing to compromise the oil. You can't lose that fire. You can't be so impressive to people on the outside that you lose that thing that got us to where we are today as the church as a whole. The church began in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descended and fire hit the earth and the Holy Spirit manifested in men and women and they go and for the first 300 years while Christianity was illegal, while they were being persecuted, they didn't have the things we have, the blessings we have, the advances that we have now and the church grew exponentially the most in the first 300 All you have to do is look in the scriptures and you see a people that's so thankful for the blood of Jesus and a people for that love, the flow of the oil. You see both sides. When you look through the pages of the book of Acts, who is the beginning of the church, you see them emphasizing the finished work and you see them emphasizing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, let the Holy Spirit back into your life. Let me ask you a question. Have you let the Holy Spirit get quiet? Have you put that light out? Have you stopped asking to be led? Have you repented? Have you asked him to lead you, to guide you? Let's be a church. Let's be a people that emphasize that edge. It's the difference maker. Did you hear what I just said? It's the difference maker in church. I've been to church my whole life. Everybody, when you're born in the South, you're born in a church. But you just know, I know you know what I'm talking about. You know the difference. You know the difference. Because sometimes it's just, it could just become patterns. It could just become religious. And it could be an old church, it could be a new church, any of it can become religious activity. But what we want is that warmth of God's Spirit on us, on what we're doing, on what we're preaching, on what we're saying, on what we're leading, because that oil, that presence, that Spirit is the difference maker. You don't want to live one day 
without the presence of the Spirit in your life. I say that with full confidence today. I need the oil in my life. I know you need the oil in your life. And I don't want our church to not have that presence that when you come in, that's my prayer. Some son of yours that came in who was lost, he steps in in the building. Oh, wow. Big screen. Oh, oh Wiggy played great on his solo today, which you did, by the way. It was amazing. All that, they're going to say, they're doing all this for God. Yeah. They, you, so you're putting all this energy into, into God. For God? Yeah. What, what, I feel something different here. It's just, you're sensing the oil. I pray that when a lost person comes, I prayed this this morning, that when they sit in those chairs, they start feeling oil on them. And they start getting irritated. I pray somebody in the room that's dealing with depression and all of a sudden something starts feeling different and you start knowing something. The Bible says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. When the anointing comes in, things begin to break. Things begin to change. Things begin to move. Things begin to rearrange. I want to be a part of a church that has the oil. Do you want to be a part of a church? Do you want the oil in your life? change everything forever with eyes closed all over the room and no one looking around Father I pray the oil of God I pray the flame of your spirit the illuminating power of your presence be made known to every man woman boy and girl and I pray in the name of Jesus that they will be open they will not resist the flow of the Spirit in their lives. And I pray, Father, our church be a Spirit-empowered church to change our region and our city and our community for you. We believe it today in Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Will you stand with us all over the room? moment, why don't you just close your eyes one last time. Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Work in me. Work through me. Work in me. Work through me. Work in me. Work through me. Come on, let's sing it, church. Glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory. 
Thank you, Jesus. Your glory, God, is Thank what you. our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With eyes closed all over the room, if you're in this room today and you've drifted from Jesus, Maybe you've never known it. Maybe you've just let stuff get in the way. You're just not where you used to be. You're just not how you used to be. Your faith's just not where it once was. Right in that seat, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Ethan, will you please include me in this prayer? In a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for a fresh start, a new beginning. A, a, a renewal, a salvation, a start over. And if that's you, we're not going to come down and pull you to the front. This is business between you and God. He died so he could know you and you could know him. He doesn't want you walking out of this room the way you came in today. Freedom is in this house. And the thing you feel is the oil of God. That thing you sense the love of God's spirit there's somebody in here about to get saved. I feel it right now. You've come, you've ran so far to run right into the arms of God. And we'll pause this whole service for just one person to say yes to Jesus. Don't leave this room without it. If that's you today, and you wanna know Jesus, recommit your life, a fresh start again, I want you to raise your hand, say, Pastor Ethan, include me in that prayer. Just go ahead nice and high. Not going to embarrass you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands today. Church, several hands in the air today. Put your hands together. Let them know that you're proud of them. We're thankful for you. Put your hand on your heart, everybody. Repeat this prayer after me. Why don't all of us just do it? Say, dear God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. I believe that you lived. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose again. And all power belongs to you. In Jesus' name. If you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big praise. Come on, give God a big praise. Give God a big praise. Tell him thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go. But the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one who comes to the fold. I don't know how many there were today, five, six, seven. But for those people that just said yes, heaven is rejoicing. Why don't we just look like heaven for a minute and let God hear us. Give him some praise. 